Well, thank you for joining us again as we continue our look through the Bible together here this year. Um, we're covering week 12 this week, and that's Deuteronomy chapter 6 through verse, I'm sorry, through chapter 26, and then Luke 7 through 11 with a few Psalms mixed in there as well. I hope that you were able to catch us last week when we looked at a kind of an overall picture of the book of Deuteronomy, that restating of the law, that application of the law from Moses to God's people, the Israelites, before they're to go into the promised land. And I'd like to take a little bit of time this week to focus in on Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8, and the faith that that leads us through, and then application of that from Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles with you there, and I hope that you do, I would invite you to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we travel through that together. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 6 um, has several things in it, and has the greatest commandment here is what the title of that is. That you may fear the Lord your God and you and your son and your son by keeping his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And boy, what a what a statement from Moses there to the people of Israel that they may know the commandment of the Lord so that they would be able to keep that. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Through nine, what we have is often called the Shema passage, and it's a description of who God is and how we then respond. And this is a very common um, um, passage that is used even in in Jewish households today, and something that's very important to the Jewish faith and to our faith as well. Deuteronomy six four says this: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates." You know, this passage is one that Jesus quotes in the New Testament when the Pharisees ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he says right here from this passage, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And we talk about that passage a lot at Check Row because it's so important. I figure if Jesus stated that this was the greatest commandment and then the second was to love your neighbor as yourself, then we should pay attention to that. We should make sure that we understand exactly what is happening there. So what we get in this greatest commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the statement of what it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. But then we also get an application of how we should practice that and how we should teach that to others in our life. The first thing he says there is that these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. It shall not just be something that we memorize. It shouldn't just be something that is stuck on our wall. It shouldn't just be something that we recite kind of blindly. No, these words should imprint themselves on our heart. That thing that scriptures describe as the very source of our being. 
They shouldn't just be on our mind, but we should love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and some of the gospel writers also include strength. And we do that by making sure that these words are on our heart. We shall teach them diligently to our children. How do we do that? We talk about them when we sit down in our house, when we walk, by the way, when we lie down, and when we rise. So we should be actively involved in discussing what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. You know, that's how we teach our children to do that. That's how we pass that on to them. Verse 8 and 9, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Make sure that they are before you at all times. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, and make sure that you understand exactly who it is that you're serving. That's part of how we understand and how we apply that greatest commandment, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You know, as Moses goes through chapter 6 and 7 and 8 here, what he talks about really is a living relationship with the Lord. And he talks about them remembering and looking back on the things that God has done. And he gives them some instructions in there as well. And if we view those instructions as negative things, we view them in the wrong way. And I think that's the case with all of Scripture. You know, as we when we view God's instruction to us in a negative light, well, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, then we don't understand the heart behind a loving Father who knows absolutely what is best with us, that we should make sure that we are not getting entrapped with other things that are going to draw us away from the Lord and draw us away from that practice of loving Him with all of our hearts. You know, you get into chapter 7, and Moses says in verse 6 of chapter 7, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. Holy simply means that you are set apart. And he goes on, he says, The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Now, at this point in time, God had a very special relationship with the Israelites, the people, uh, the Jewish people, and God had called them and had made them his special people. Now, as we get into the New Testament, we see that we as followers of Christ, as believers in Christ, are now a special people to God as well. In fact, we are his adopted sons and his adopted daughters. But I believe that God still has a special place for the people of Israel. And as you look through the um, all the different, um, um, I can't think of the word off the top of my head. Um, as you look at Revelation and the end of Daniel, as you think about all those different eschatology, um, that's the word I was looking for, those eschatological passages which talk about the end times, you see that the Israel um, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, still has a special place in those things. So please don't hear what I'm not saying, that we are not now Israelites, but um, we are a people holy to the Lord, and he has chosen us to be a people for his possession as well. And so when we think about placing our faith in him, we need to think back of all of the times that God was faithful to his people. You go on in chapter 7, verse 9, he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand 
generations. And he goes on into chapter 8 there, and they're told again to remember the Lord their God. In verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Take care, verse 11, um, lest you forget that the Lord your God did not, um, the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when you um, have herds and flocks and multiply your silver and your gold that is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They're told again and again and again to remember who God is and what he has done. And as we think about living a life of faith, placing our hope and our trust in Christ, we need to do the same thing. We need to make sure that we are not forgetting who God is and what he has done, that we have a correct picture of Jesus Christ. We get a little bit of an application from that over in the book of Luke. So I would invite you to turn over from Deuteronomy to Luke chapter 7. And this is just a, a wonderful picture of faith in the power of Christ, that he actually is a God who can do what he says he can do. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10 say this, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goes. And to another come, and he comes. And to my servant do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to his house, they found the servant well. You know, I think any time that we see Jesus take notice of someone in Scripture, we should do the same. And it says here, not that he just took notice of him, but that he marveled at him. He looked at him and said, this guy has it going on. And you know, this Roman centurion here, he sends some elders of the Jews and he says, you know what, I've heard that, I've heard that Jesus can heal. I've heard that he can offer life. And so I need, I need his help. And so these Jewish elders come and they say to Jesus, you know, you, you need to come help this guy. You need to do this thing for him because he has earned it. He's worthy of this. You know, as Jesus continues to come closer to the house, he sends more people and he says, Stop, I'm not. I'm not worthy to have you come. But I trust that you can do what you say you're going to do. If you think back for just a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 8, that's exactly what Moses was warning the people of. 
He said, don't think that you're worthy of this because it's not something you have earned. It's not something you have done. And as soon as we begin to think that we are worthy of what Christ has done, that we have earned it in some way, then we quickly begin to put our faith in ourselves. And we quickly begin to think that we have done something really good and that God is repaying us for that. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that none of us is righteous. No, not one. And that we have not earned a relationship with Christ. This Roman centurion had a picture of that. He said, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. I'm not worthy to have you come into my life because I recognize that there's something special about you. When we think about placing our faith and our hope and our trust in God, we need to remember what he has done in the past and that he's done that of his own free will and that he's done that for us in a loving way and that he freely and graciously offers us a relationship, not because we've earned it, but because we are so unworthy. God in his perfect mercy and love he wants to have a relationship with his image bearer so badly that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we, we might be made right in God's eyes, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. As you continue through a reading in the Old Testament, you're going to see that the people of God quickly forget that. Even as we look back, we think, how? How could you do this? You, you saw God work daily miracles in your lives for years, decades, that God called your ancestors out of slavery, that he defeated Pharaoh in miraculous ways. You know, we can be pretty hard on them, and we can quickly miss the fact that we often misplace our faith ourselves, that we often think that we are more worthy than we should, and we, we begin to think that we've really done something and that God is kind of along for the ride. Our faith should be that of this Roman centurion. God, I recognize that I'm not worthy, but Lord, I trust that you can bring life. I trust that you can heal and that you can restore. And I just wonder if there's anything you need to submit to the Lord today. Just anything you need to turn over to him. Maybe you need to confess that to him, that you have had those thoughts too many times. That you are worthy and that he is doing you a favor. That you're almost doing him a favor and having a relationship with him. Maybe you need to turn that over to the Lord and you need to submit your faith to him and recognize that we, we are not worthy, but God is the one who restores and he heals. That's, that's faith that that helps us to see that God is a God who does what he says he's going to do, even when we are not faithful. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed um, a short time in the Word again together today. Hope that you'll join us again next week as we'll be looking at week 13 when we finish up the book of Deuteronomy and we get into the book of Joshua together and we'll continue through the Gospel of Luke. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you have a great day.